Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. I, I mean, I guess it was another uh, uneventful but somewhat eventful week, um, not only for Chelsea but for world football as well. I mean, here to join me as always is our usual co-host. I have Sam and Andres here. I'll switch it up. Sam, I usually leave you uh, for last, but today I'll start with you first. What's going on, man? Uh, how's it going? Zach, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, I'm happy that we won, but I was really, really, really looking forward to ripping into this team. Uh, so I was kind of hoping for a draw on our end, just specifically for that reason. Um, and the wind kind of ruined it, so... Um, you know, kind of changed the tone of our podcast for this week because I was so frustrated and upset with the way that we played, the way that Tuchel lined us up. But we ended up with three points, so I can't be that mad. So, um, but I am happy. I am happy. That's what I'm saying. It's uh, selfish just for po- the podcast's sake. But other than that, I'm doing good. Andreas, how are you doing, my man? Do you feel do you feel the same sentiment at all, <laughs> or am I in the minority? <laughs> uh, I mean, we won, so like it gives me the feeling like, you know, we're we're expanding the gap, so like it's easier to swallow how bad the game truly was, just because we're we're solidly third place and actually sticking by Liverpool in terms of potentially making a push for second if we ever get our head out of our ass. So. To me, it's like uh, I get to be cynical about the performance because the points were still on the board. I would be much more depressed if that wasn't the case. Hey, a potential push for first thanks to uh, Tottenham. Good result for them. <laughs> oh, Good yeah. result for us. Right after uh, Sam said that Harry Kane was finished, he goes and does that. I said he was a he was a shell of his former self, and then scored <laughs> two goals to win it. Uh, I'm gonna say, we need uh, like how come when I say that about Lukaku, he ends up he he does shit performance after shit performance, but when I say that about Harry Kane, he scores a double and beats Man I don't know, City. Maybe, maybe Harry Kane actually wants to play well, and maybe Harry Kane wants to help the team. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. crazy concept. There's a difference between the two, definitely. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> um. We're going in this week, guys. Like, like, like I'm telling you. I, I know you both already prefaced it, but this is no holds barred this week. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fucking done with a lot of the bullshit that has been in and around Chelsea. I mean, I, we won't get into it at this very moment, <laughs> okay. but I'm just letting you know. If you if you have kids listening to this pod, <laughs> tell them to leave the room. Yeah, you might want to tell them to leave the room. Earmuffs. Um. Uh, we're not alone in trying to figure out what's going on. Um, CFC Ronnie on Twitter uh, tweeted at us saying, Another below average performance from the best team in the world. Over two months since we played well, apart from Spurs, obviously. Not sure why. Hoping you can explain it. Well, you're in luck, CFC Ronnie. We will try our best to explain what the hell is going on. So our starting eleven. Mendy in goal. Um, our back four was played out of necessity, obviously, with with no full backs. So Thiago Silva and Rudiger 
as a center backs, and then Christensen played as a right back, Malongstar as the left back. Um, then in the midfield, we had Jorginho, Conte, and Christian Pulisic playing as a midfielder. And then a front three, depending on how you interpreted uh, our formation, of Ziyech, Kai Havertz, and Romelu Lukaku. Um, so he played? What? Did he play? I mean, you didn't see him touch the ball seven times, Zach? Seven times? <laughs> wow. I thought he only touched oh, it six, but I guess I wasn't counting the second oh. half kickoff. <laughs> in the first half, in the first half... He had two touches, and one of them yeah, was the was the kickoff. <laughs> Remember when this this for like all of our American listeners mostly, but the NBA fans. Do you remember when Tony Snell played twenty eight minutes for the Bucks and put up like zero point zero says zero rebounds, zero yeah. everything? Yeah, that's what Lukaku he a, did. He had a Tony Snell performance. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So overall thoughts on the selection. We'll start off with just just the selection, Zach. Um, I was okay with it. I was a little surprised to see Christensen as the right back. I thought, like last week, Andres mentioned that, um, you know, potentially Trevor Chalaba could get a start there, and I thought that might have been the case here. Um, but other than that, seeing Pulisic as a midfielder was a little alarming. When I first saw the lineup come out, I thought, okay, four triple two with, you know, Pulisic and Zia out wide, and then... Havertz and Lukaku up top, but it was very much a variation of a 4-3-3 or 4-1-4-1 or 4-5-1, however you want to put it. There was definitely three midfielders in there, so that was a surprise as well. Andres? I was beyond shocked. Not by the names. I, I already had thought, okay, we'll play with four center backs, like you said, so I'm out of necessity, but more of how the team was deployed. This could have been a 4-2-3-1, with Kai behind Rom, a 4-2-2-2, with Pulisic out wide. I mean, it just all was names in the wrong places doing the wrong thing, and it just was a a mess, a complete mess from top to bottom, and it was obvious the way we were playing. All right, so was... to me, it was just... Go ahead. Sorry, it was... yeah, I was just going to say, let's just start talking about the formation. Um and you know any potential issues that we may have had with it which it sounds like we all did um <laughs> starting off with uh captain america playing at the eight or the the 10 depending which half you're watching um <laughs> it, it 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 looked like he was lining up in midfield just in front of Jorginho and um you know in between Conte and Kai Havertz who Kai Havertz was out wide on the left, um, and it it really is just you know I, I had my issues before with Tuchel's selection um, in playing Cho on the left and Pulisic on the right. Although I do like I I could understand maybe where he's coming from. This is kind of unforgivable and makes no sense and it just seems like like a, a result of Tuchel overthinking it a lot and when really the, I think that the very simple answer was to just switch 
Pulisic and Kai Havertz. And that would have solved so many issues. Um, Andreas, there was a lot of criticism uh, of fans against uh, Pulisic's performance in particular. Was that warranted? I mean, he wasn't good. I'll tell you that. But if you ask a fish to run on land, the hell is it supposed to do? I mean, I'm getting tired of saying this every single week. I implore, like in an alternate universe, if Cho was forced to play this many positions, I would love to see what the feedback would be. Because at this point, Christian Pulisic's performances are the easy scapegoat. He's not good enough. He's not doing... It's just mind-boggling to me. When a guy is good at isolating somebody and, and taking them on one-on-one and getting into the box late from the width, why force them to play in the most congested part of the field? I Again, I can't defend how bad he was. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's just asinine. Like, the wingback one, you can forgive a little bit because he's wide. But goodness gracious, man, like, no. Simply no. <laughs> you don't play Christian Blizzik as an eight. As a ten, I might be like, okay, maybe. As an eight? Like a true eight. This isn't the four one four one. He was lined up as a true center mid. Yep. Box to box. He's not Mason Mount. Different skill set. Different, different everything. It's just... He's a yes man, and it's biting him in the ass because fans that don't see him in international play or just simply forgot how good he was or has been every time he's deployed at left wing, which has been rare this season, just, yeah, they're not remembering this. I'm still shocked because every time he played left wing, true left wing against Crystal Palace, he scored five goals against them. Why the hell? Why the hell not play him where he can kill this opposition? And let's not forget, he was he was one of our big impact players in the Club World Cup final, too. So it was almost a shoe-in that he was going to start in this game. Play him in his best position. That was my issue. We're- if if Cho's not on the pitch, why not let him play? Like, the, always, the excuse has always been Cho's the left winger that Tuchel mm-hmm. likes. He's not on the pitch. Yeah, he's not even available. <laughs> what the yeah. hell? No, that, that, was, that, that was my thing, too. You know, when I first saw Crystal Palace get into like a decent, you know, possession game and like, I don't know, it might have been like the first three or four minutes of the match. I, that's when I first noticed that Pulisic was dropping into the midfield three and helping defend. And I'm thinking in my head, OK, right now we do have kind of a deep line. Palace is already strung together like seven or eight passes. So we had enough time to come back and set our lines and whatnot. Pulisic's going to play further forward. And we just never saw that in that first half. He was just sort of caught in this no man's land of I need to get forward and I also need to get back. And ultimately he just got lost. Um, He got neither. (laughs) He just got completely lost in the game. And that was my issue with it is every time he received the ball, he didn't know what to do with it. It seemed like the direction wasn't really there. I didn't understand what his role was supposed to be on the pitch. Was he supposed to pick up the ball on the spin and run at the opposition and maybe create those spaces and force his way in? Um, Was he supposed to help pick out passes was he there just to be a body because of necessity? I don't know. And, and you know, the thing is, if he was there out of necessity, then why the hell did we loan Saul? Why is Kovacic on the bench? Why can't he play 45 at least? You know, why, why can't we switch up the formation to avoid playing a winger 
at center mid. And that's essentially what happened. And, you know, I saw a lot of people talking shit about, oh, he's, you know, a little lightweight on the ball and he's losing it every single time he gets it. He's receiving his ball with back to goal. The guy's 5'9 and probably weighs a buck 40 soaking wet. You cannot expect him to hold on to the ball and hold off center backs and, and center defensive midfielders with his back to goal and lay it off and somehow continue play. And it, it just it was all over the place, man. It was the most frustrating performance I've seen from him so far at Chelsea. And yeah, I mean, like, the criticism is warranted in a way. If you get selected, you should go out there. And I think I, the one thing we never question about Pulisic is his effort. And right, he is a yes man. So if you're going to commend him for that, great. That's something I commend him for. But you cannot go around shitting on a player and completely writing a player off who has done great things at the club and who has put together great performances at the left wing position. He's just not being played there. And it's a it's it's a double edged sword for him because on one hand he's saying yeah I, you know I'm having a really rough time here and you know I'm finding it difficult to sort of like navigate my way into this team, but then on the other hand he's saying yes okay I'll play wherever the fuck you need me to right wing back left wing back striker at one point mm-hmm. now center mid everywhere but the left hand side it's it's really frustrating um, especially. <laughs> As you can imagine from an American perspective, it just sort of adds a whole new layer of bullshit on top of all the other bullshit that he went through at Chelsea. Yeah. I just want to see him succeed so bad, and that's why this hurts so much. Give the guy a fair shot on the left-hand side and let him have a run of three or four matches, and if it doesn't work, fine. Why does Cho get 15 matches at that spot right. or 20 matches at that spot? I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I challenge anybody to look it up. It's more than 10 starts at left wing this season. How many starts at left wing has Christian Pulisic had? That's my problem. Three. 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 Pathetic. That's pathetic. Some players don't even get in rhythm uh, until four or five matches into the season. You only gave him three starts over there. It's just... And Zach, you mentioned his physicality. Um, We got a Twitter question from uh, at mconan1789. He said, is Pulisic's lack of physicality becoming a more glaring issue in the Prem? Feels like he's going down with any contact, and sometimes we would be much better off if he just stayed up. Um, Andreas, what do you think about uh, Pool Six's lack of physicality and whether um, it just doesn't translate to Premier League? Uh, I again, I think it's a positional thing. Like in midfield, you're going to go up against guys that are, you know, they they completely threw their body at you, and it's an upper body battle more so than like wandering tackles trying to poke the ball away from a winger on the outside of the pitch. So, you know, there's a reason why Hazard played wide. You know, he is going to be in space, turns around, and then he's facing defenders. So when they tackle him, it's a an extended leg, not a dude coming at you with his whole damn body. So I think, again, put any other winger in that position and they would look the exact same, put them out wide where they're isolated one-on-one running full speed. And they are going to stay up because they're in full speed. They can catch their feet as they've already been beaten a defender instead of just getting bulldozed with their back to goal, not in movement. Like it's just, you can't make a generic statement and call it. It's a physicality thing because Pulisic is not a, Lukaku or Giroud style player that can hold off a 170 pound defender coming at him like even like standing still these guys are supposed to run at you in speed and force you to to try to turn and and stick your leg out and 
And if a leg is out and he trips and he stays on his feet, that's different than a whole body charging at you. So to me, it's it's not a fair question to say, oh, he's just not physical enough for the Premier League because Ziyech is not physical enough for the Premier League and he's doing great like because he's out wide. So again, yeah, it's just one of those it. things. I, I don't I don't think that's a fair judgment. Why does Ziyech get that? I know it's off topic, but why does Ziyech get that protection as playing exclusively as a right winger and Pulisic just doesn't sort of get? And and the thing is, I don't think any other player gets any protection besides Ziyech in that sense. I feel like everyone else has been asked to play somewhat out of their depths at some point this season. But it's taken how long for Ziyech not to have to play the outside 10? Like it's taking, it really is taking Tuchel way too long to figure out the strengths of these players. Like, period. And <laughs> and we'll get into it far more in depth later when we get into Lukaku's conversation. But he set up this team to frustrate other teams. Like, he is not setting up this team to come out and, and light up teams week in and week out. We're finally – we're at a point where there's no wingbacks, so he can't force – or our starting wingbacks aren't there. He can't force that out – that option as the main attacking source – then Ziyech starts playing well wide, and he's like, oh, well, there's maybe something there. When Ziyech under Lampard playing wide was killing it every single week while playing at that right wing position. So it's like, it's just he has like selective vision. Again, Belisic playing wide, dribbling at people during the Club World Cup. Fantastic. Here, you're asking him to play with his back turned to goal and, and progressing the ball forward. Like, I don't know how many attempts it's going to take. And also the chopping and changing of players left and right outside of Ziyech, who has now earned his spot, is not going to help anybody. Yeah. I don't know. I I have an issue with this whole physicality thing, too, guys, because, I mean, the guy thrives in Conca. I mean, not as of the last international break, but the guy thrived in CONCACAF and gets kicked way more in CONCACAF than he does in the Premier League. If you guys don't believe me, watch a CONCACAF game for me. Or just look up his Premier League goals. Half the time, he's getting he's hacked. falling on his ass. Yeah. Like, yeah. Physicality is not – no. That is I don't think, I don't think physicality is, is a issue. And, and, and then also, he's, he's also not the type of player to just take a dive or, you know, try to create a cheap foul and, and no, sort of just – Bro, the, the FA Cup final. He's more like the Hazard type where he dribbles into somebody, gets kicked, and falls because he got kicked. No, in the FA Cup final when we lost to Arsenal, the dude tears his hamstring in the middle of a play, continues to dribble, shoots, and then goes down. Like, yeah. it is visible yeah, on camera when he snaps his hamstring. Yeah. And it's funny that what you said, Andreas, that Tuchel setting up uh, this team to frustrate other teams when in reality it's just frustrating us as fans. Like, that's that's yeah. who he's frustrating. He's also he's frustrating me, you, Zach, I mean, everyone else hold, listening. Hold on, hold on. I, I want to just kind of chime in on that. We are, we do still have the second best back line in the Premier League. So we are frustrating teams still. I no, just exactly. That. That's that's perfectly fine. We make it yeah. hard on them, but then we make it hard on ourselves. We also to make score. it hard on ourselves too. Yeah. We might as well be Brighton with the amount of games we could possibly draw this year. Yeah, and I mean we got a Twitter question from uh, Kirills at Patreon che- uh, Chelsea. He he asked it perfectly. Why are we so dog shit in attack? Hmm. 
Uh, do you do you really want me to go off on a TED talk? I mean, I'll I'll try. No. <laughs> um, number one, we are forcing a central player to play left wing, where his one-footed left foot and Kai Havertz is forced to always turn towards his left foot. Then you have two out of three midfielders in a midfield three that have zero forward progression in Conte and Jorginho to make overlapping runs against a deep line. Um, then you have, again, a, a 10, uh, not a 10, a winger playing at center mid. You what about the elephant have, in the room? Oh, we'll get to him later. We'll give Lukaku <laughs> a whole section. Christensen playing right back, probably not your best position. You're doing that out of out of necessity. But, like, you can't have... So much talent that is specifically good at operating wide and then force them to play in a narrow perspective. It, it started with the 3-4-3. Like, why is it that Kai and and someone like Timo and Cho and Pulisic, those guys weren't playing well? Well, Kai is a 10, so he needs to have all of the center to roam. But then you put two more guys next to him in the same space, limiting his space to roam and find those passes. Okay, Timo. Timo works best coming off of a central figure, but then you're asking him to be the central figure and to come check in when he's better about going in behind. Pulisic. Pulisic is a direct player. Then you're asking him to go be in the middle and be a creative player. Like, no, no. Like Ziyech, you were asking him to be in a crowded area. He needs space to look, have time to look up and play that back post run or, or cross or take those whipping curled shots like you have to play to the strength of this team. And we've been playing to the strength of the defense because that's what succeeded first. But the strength in, on paper to this team should be the attack. And that's why I've been asking so much for the four in the back, whether it's a 4-2-3-1 or the 4-1-4-1. Like you have to allow the attacking players to do their part consistently. Again, you mentioned Lukaku, Zach, and I'm, it, this isn't really about him, but he's played in a combination of like 13 different front threes. <laughs> I would love to know the number of combinations Liverpool has played or Man City has played in their front like three. Three or four. I, I mean, the only difference is Jota or Firmino in the middle. And, yeah. and, and those are like-for-like like players. Right. You are like-for-like yeah. like players. The system Luke stays the same. Diaz and Mane, same shit. Salah yeah. on the right, he's untouchable. When you take him out, it's a little bit different. But the right winger that comes in is playing on the back heels of the center back and the and the opposing left back and making in-behind runs. The center forward, he is just causing havoc, going left and right, getting in behind. They play the same way every week. You don't chop and change formation and system based on anything else. No, I'm done with my rant. <laughs> I mean, you you pretty much covered all of it, Andres. My main thing was the. For me, I noticed the fullbacks was an issue in terms of playing the ball quickly in possession. Oftentimes, when the ball would go back to Sar, he needs three or four touches before he figures out what he's going to do with it. Or when he receives the ball, it's just a simple back pass to Rudy. Then everything resets. Christensen is much of the same. I mean, he's not a very risky passer. I mean, we've talked about this before. The difference between him and Thiago Silva, especially when they play in the middle of a back three, is Thiago Silva plays the ball over the top. 
Christensen just keeps it nice and tidy on the ground. That's exactly yeah. what he did in this game on the right-hand side of the defense. He kept it nice and tidy the whole entire time. He wasn't really trying to make overlapping runs. Same thing goes with Sar too. Neither side trying to make these overlapping runs or try to play the ball into the box. We saw Sar play one ball really early. I think, uh, I forget who it was too, but he played a ball directly into the middle of the pitch first time and it, it found its guy and, you know, for whatever reason, we just couldn't control the ball and continue play. But that was really the only time I saw either of those guys trying to trying to well, play the ball into the middle. And again, you're looking to play into people's strengths. Like, I'll give a shout out again to CFC Central because after we started playing the 4-1-4-1, he explained why it was making things easier. And it was the, going to the fullbacks because, again, we haven't had Reese and Chilwell out there who actually can progress the ball. So th- something like a 4-1-4-1 allows – Cho and Pulisic to be left wide and Ziyech wide right. And then Jorginho can move left and right. And it creates these diamonds of passing lanes to where these fullbacks who aren't very forward thinking have options at all times. So the diamond is something of like a SAR plus left wing on the left, Jorginho kind of central, and then whoever the attacking eights are, whether it's Mount or Kovacic at the top of a diamond. And then you have two passes in, in succession, quick succession to get the ball out of the back. And in this 4-3-3 where you force Pulisic into midfield, none of that was happening. All right, let me uh, – so let's go on to another Twitter question. This one is from at Black Emoji. And um, I want to start off with this one, if you guys don't mind. Uh, at, it. it says, uh, at what point do we start blaming Tuchel's tactics for the mediocre attack? Or does the blame fall on all those expensive players who should be doing more? And if it's the player's fault, shouldn't the manager try something else? I I just want to say, why does this always happen to us? Why like <laughs> I I why the why does this always happen to us? Last year when Tuchel came in, he brought in stability. He stuck by his guns, and we were convinced that this guy was a tactical mastermind, and we'd finally have a manager that we wouldn't ha- want to move on from from after two, three years. And all of a sudden, this guy is doing things that I never thought he would. He's, he, he, he's just, I feel like he's getting it all wrong. I'm questioning every decision he makes. I'm questioning why he's making these decisions. And it's, it's, I just don't understand why this always happens to us every fucking time we hire a new manager. It's stability, it's great results in the first year, and then the second year immediately it drops off. It's it's the axe, dude. It's a fear of the axe. You you just said every time we hire a new manager. But he's so, doing it to himself right I now. Don't, I don't, he's doing I don't, it to himself. I'm not in the same boat as you in terms of, you know, the world is ending. No, no. Of. It's not that, but it's true, it's, though. Like, think it's about it. It's all the like, trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, of course, of course. I mean, look, we all have PTSD from, and not just from, you know, the last manager or the manager before. I mean, I've had PTSD since the day I became a Chelsea fan in terms of hiring and firing managers. Supporting this club is actually what taught me how ruthless professional sports can be in terms of hiring and firing managers. But that's beside the point. I think, look, we can sit here and question Tuchel's tactics and whatever about this game, but the bottom line is we still got the three points. We're still comfortably in third, regardless, uh, considering the injury situation that we had, 
the COVID situation that we had, the fact that we were one of the only teams that didn't get a game postponed to the December period and that we were, what, two or three matches ahead of everybody else by the time we were on the other end of it. I mean, you, t- you have to take all these things into account. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I still trust in Tuchel that's, fully. That's, I know. That's not I, the point, though. Like, I think you're taking a very, like, let's not talk about the manager here. I think partially, some yes, tactics come to play. I do. Like, it's not all doom and gloom, Zach, but we're not playing good football. Because at the end of the day, we yeah, have so much talent I, that we should that we should still win games. But the I point completely is, agree. we should be playing better. And I think part of it is tactical, and part of it is the players themselves. I think the tactics make this team boring and dull because you're preaching not losing the ball more than taking a chance and creating and I think it's gotten to the point where now players don't even try to create because they rather recycle. So if you draw a giant U shape on the on the soccer pitch and the inside of the U is around the, the opponent's box, most of our passing is probably in a U shape where we get to a corner, we recycle it back because we don't want to take a risky pass, and we recycle it back from the other side to the other side. And when we're at the bottom of the U, not a single player looks to play a direct ball up the middle and you get into this rhythm of things. And partially it's, it is some of the expensive players and partially it's players that we somehow haven't gotten rid of that don't fit a progressive possession style of football. And they're stuck in a counterattacking way where the only way they'll look forward is if two of their guys are up instead of uh, a back five on the other side. Like I think- there's a lot going on. And I think, Tuchel's not getting it right because he's just trying to protect results. Like the league, the league form is trash. And I'll say this over and over again. In tournament play, we look better because the other team can't sit back and get a draw. They have to win to keep staying in a tournament. And that's when our talent can match, can outmatch theirs and start winning. Crystal Palace wasn't coming to win. Crystal Palace was coming to 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 take advantage of our mistakes, which they did for the most part. And that's what most Premier League teams do when you're a top four club. And those are the tactics you need to start building. The ones where you do need to take risk when you have that inch of space to try to play your striker through. Or that inch of space to get a one-two in. Like, you have to try that. And our I team think, never I think it's a combination of, of, of Tuchel making maybe one or two poor decisions that have ultimately led to this. I mean, look, let's just, why not? We have Romelu Lukaku, who continues to start game after game. I know he scored two goals in the Club World Cup. Yeah, that's fine and great. Thank you for that. But what else are you giving us? What did you give us before the Club World Cup? What are you giving us after the Club? What we just saw against Crystal Palace was a combination of Romelu Lukaku starting game after game after game having a shitty attitude game after game after game, and the manager completely ignoring that and saying, no, we spent all this money on this guy. We're going to go out there. We're going to play him until he starts scoring goals. And when he does, we're going to forget that all this shit happened. He scored two goals in two matches, and none of us forgot about what happened, and he reverted completely back to his old self. I think a lot of it has to do with there's a combination of, you know, having a center forward out there who just refuses to give a shit whatsoever and there is no debate about that seven touches on the entire game give me a break yeah he's not getting service but you had seven touches in 90 minutes i can go stand in the attacking third of the pitch and get more than seven touches 
and I fucking suck compared to Lukaku. <laughs> so like, here's the like. Yeah, you do. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm a little frustrated, but I mean, I think it's warranted. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think when you have one player who's supposed to be an expensive talismanic goal-scoring figure in the club who just cuts a shitty attitude game after game and continues to play shitty game after game, I think eventually that has an effect on some of the players, for sure. Yeah, and, and Tuchel has, it, to, has to bench him. That, that's another and, thing. And, and, and no, that's what I was going to get to. And that's, what, and, that, and that's why I said I think it's, I think it's a bit of Tuchel making wrong decisions and sticking with them and not reversing them quickly enough. You should, if you really wanted to stick to your guns after that Lukaku interview, you, you sit them down privately and you say, listen, I'm going to give you two starts or three starts. You have to prove to me that you want to be here, not the other way around. And I feel like that's what it's been. I feel like ever since that interview with Lukaku came out, Tuchel's done everything he can to show Lukaku that, hey, we still want you to fit into the team. It should be the other way around. And it's you not. You guys act like Roman Abramovich doesn't exist and he shelled out 100 no, million pounds I, and won't I, put pressure down the I mortgages. understand that. I, I, I completely understand that. But if you're going to start the guy and play him the full 90 minutes, him starting might be Abramovich. Him playing the 90 minutes is completely on Tuchel. That's right. How do you not spot after the first 45 minutes the man had two touches? How do you not go out there and spot it and say, hey, you either change your game or you're off and after an hour. You have 15 more minutes to get 15 touches. I don't give a shit. I don't care what it is. You got to do something for me. You're a 100 million pound striker. You want to compare yourself to Mbappe, Holland, Ronaldo, etc. It's not happening. And you're doing it to yourself. And I... <laughs> It's 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 the most frustrating scenario I have been a part of or I have experienced at Chelsea in a long time. It's more frustrating than the Marcus Alonso equation. It's it's more frustrating than having Bakayoko playing against Watford. It's it it beats everything that I've seen in recent memory because it's not just about a player who who it's just not things are just aren't going right or he just can't score goals or he just isn't good enough. We're seeing a guy who just doesn't care. At all. Andreas, I'll add something to what you said. Kai Havertz, who was a $70 million transfer, he sat out a lot last year and this year. He's been sitting out a lot of games. Like, if you think uh, Roman Abramovich is putting pressure on Tuchel to play Romelu Lukaku, why isn't he putting him that, that same pressure on him to play Kai Havertz? Like, two, Ooh, two huge so, spines. Because so, apparently the, the conversation after Champions League was... The, on paper, based on stats, created chances, blah, blah, blah. The only thing we weren't good at was finishing. And Abramovich was like, I got you. I will find a guy that is a serial finisher. On paper, Lukaku is a serial finisher. He is supposed to be the quote-unquote missing piece of this team to take us to the next level. And again, Lukaku is the final product versus Kai, who is 22. The 75 we spend on Kai is a long-term investment. At 22 years old, you will be inconsistent. You do need to be protected. At 29 years old, you're supposed to be on the team cheat every single week. That's the part I'm trying to say. And, like, Zach, you're talking about, like, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. Like, I hate to defend Lukaku in this, but, like, how is it possible that week one of Lukaku getting to start, he gets 46 touches, and now he only gets seven. Like, watching the match, sure, I was pissed. 
But then you watch the match of the days and they literally showed you like video clips of like players not even looking at him. It's like at some point it's not Lukaku's fault 100%. I'm not saying it's not mostly on him, but he was making good movements here and there and our players weren't looking for him. And I've said this before. I've noticed that Kovacic is the only one that still to this moment in the season looks for him early. And usually when he does is when Lukaku scores or like does something correctly. Like I don't, there is more to this than a shitty attitude because you can't tell me that a debutant who doesn't have chemistry no. with his team can get 46 touches in his first game and then get only seven almost a season in. There is more to it. Like th- this isn't just Lukaku has a shitty attitude. It's, Partially that, yes. Two, the manager lost Lukaku at some point this season due to injury, had to reconstruct this team, did so successfully because we were top of the league without Lukaku for a while. Then Lukaku gets brought back on to a whole new way of playing, and the manager's not adjusting to him, and and Lukaku, to be fair, is also not adjusting the other way around. But... Who are you going to trust more? Are you going to trust some 28-year-old Belgian striker that doesn't want to be here? Or are you going to trust a Champions League winning Thomas? I'm not, I'm not talking about emotions, Zach. I'm talking about just the, the way things are played. You don't ask Timo Werner to be a target man because when he gets hurt, you put in Giroud and Giroud was really good. So next time Timo Werner comes on the pitch, you don't ask him to play with his back to goal. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, Lukaku's see if, got a shitty attitude. I get it. He's bitching. I get it. But find, also, he needs to find both. another way to just impact the game, Andres. That's the point. You're, How is he going to impact the game is, when is, there's no midfielders playing? He is making runs. But where do all his runs go? Behind the center back. There, it's the same freaking run over and over. He's only looking to play in behind. He has to realize when he plays at Chelsea, he is going to be playing behind two deep blocks of four or a deep block of five and then a deep block of four every single game unless you're playing Liverpool or Man City. And he's not adapting his game to do that, to be to, to, to be an asset to us when teams sit in, uh, sit in like that. It, that's my issue with it. You're a hundred million. I didn't. We didn't go out and spend a hundred million pounds for a one-trick pony. That's what he is. Convince me otherwise, because the only runs I see him making is trying to get in behind. He literally thinks that he's a foot shorter than he is, and that he's fucking Usain Bolt. He only tries to get in behind defenders. He doesn't use his frame or his body or his touch to his advantage whatsoever. I didn't see him leave the attacking third once in that game. Not once did you think to yourself, hey, maybe if I drop in, I could pull one of these center backs out. And then maybe Pulisic, who's having a hard time, can find that space in a number 10 role and maybe make a run past me. Or maybe Kai could come inside and fill in that gap that I'm making. And now all of a sudden you're moving around pieces and you're creating space. And now you're creating chances. Now that back post run for now that back post ball for Ziyech is on. You pull a center back out, now it's Kai 1v1 with the fullback on the back post. How come that we, doesn't click? You just described the goal, though. You just described that he distracted two center backs and Ziyech was open in the back post. So, like, I I get what it you're saying. Long this match, to do that. all he did. Dude, no, it, 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 no, like, I get it, bro. Like, I trust me, I get that. Yes, he <laughs> occupied the center back, sure. I'm not fucking giving it. touches versus seven <laughs> touches. Like, something changes in the tactics, dude. Like, we don't look... You, we there's don't... Just, there's no we way... We don't use the center forward. We don't. In build-up, 
the the buildup is the same no matter what. Like, tell me this is wrong. Build up, Did Zach just disappear? Where did he go? I just put my head down. I just went face down on my, Listen, on, my on my desk. Tell me, tell because, me, this because isn't gonna, every build there's up. There's no way that I'll be convinced that a player who touches the ball seven times is putting in effort. No, and you're right. This game was shit. But tell me, this isn't the build up every single match. It goes center back to either Jorginho or the fullback. If it goes to the fullback, it goes to Jorginho. And then from there, it either goes back to the defenders to get back to Jorginho. And then from there, it goes wide. And the ball never returns to the middle until it's in the final third when you're forcing it into a crowded box. Tell I me agree. That's not I agree. I agree. You would have more than seven touches. 99% of Chelsea's buildup. Tell me that's not wrong, <laughs> regardless of who the striker is. Tell me that's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, what is he supposed to do, Zach? Zach, tell us, tell us what is he what is he supposed to do differently? I'm asking a serious question. What's he supposed to do differently in this in this tactic and formation? Zach. Sorry. What what is he supposed to do differently? Like in game? Yeah, like to get more touches, what what is he supposed to do? I just explained one example. How about you drop in? How about you pull one of the center backs out of position? How about you create spaces for your teammates? If you love running so much and you love sprinting in behind, why don't you pull out wide and create that gap in the middle for another teammate to run into? He's just standing still in the middle. Guys, he's a statue the entire buildup. And then he's only looking for that ball in behind. He's not looking for any of the spaces in between the, the, yeah. the, the defense and the midfield. He's not looking to pull anybody out of position. He's not even looking for mismatches. It's the easiest thing in the world to defend a statue. That's why he's not impacting games. I get it. That back post ball, he was occupying the two center backs. Great. Well, guess what? We were throwing fucking everything at Crystal Palace at that point. We were, we were playing shithouse football. It took a, a fucking diagonal from Marcus Alonso, who, we've, who, by the way, everybody has been crapping on, but who somehow always pops up with an important goal or assist. We relied on a shithouse assist from Marcus Alonso to win us this game. And, you're, and, and, and we're going to go and clap for Lukaku because he occupied the two center backs doing that? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That's what he should be doing every single game. He did it once this season. And we're going to go applaud him for it. Andres, I love you, man. But, like, I don't, I'm just not buying that. Like, if for me, seven touches, dude. That's the lowest in Premier League history. Wait, it is that true? It's harder to touch the ball seven yeah. times than it is to touch the ball 15 times. For, for any player or for a striker? I, I, I mean, even if for even for a striker, that's fucking low. You play. I know, but I just want to know, like, just for my own personal, like. That means he touched the ball what? No, no, once every like a record. It's like once every a record. Once it's every a how what? many minutes did he touch the ball? Fifteen minutes. Yeah, I think the math adds up. Ninety divided by Good job, by bro. Seven. You're killing it, man. A hundred million, fucking a. It's just a joke at this point. And, and and yes, it is it is on Tuchel too because he's the one that keeps playing him time and time and time again. If you really want the guy to straighten out, I think it's blatantly up. And this is the last thing I'm going to say on Lukaku because I know I'm talking a lot about him. But if you really want to straighten out Lukaku at this point, you know that forcing him to play is not going to do the trick. You know that changing the system or changing the formation is not going to do the trick. So and at I this think... point, there's one option. I think so. Like, would you would you say that it's eighty five percent Lukaku, fifteen percent Tuchel's tactics, 
No, 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 no. I would be, I would be, I would, I'm going to be more fair than that. I'm going to say it's like 70-30. I think it's 70 on Lukaku, and I think the other 30 is a combination of Tuchel being so adamant, or Roman, whoever you want to say is playing Lukaku. I think it's a matter of the decision-making of playing him game after game after game. If it's not getting better, it's only going to get worse. And that's what we're seeing. It's getting worse. This is this is rock bottom for him. It, it has to be rock bottom, honestly. This match in particular has to be rock bottom for him. Because seven touches is is going to be... T- it's, it's such an easy stat to just poke at and make fun I, of. I, I, I watched... I watched this game, and I thought to myself, it wasn't even this bad when Murata was here. So how the fuck is anyone going to defend this guy? <laughs> I mean, Tuchel's performance, um, I mean, sorry, Tuchel's quote on his performance, he even had something to say about it. He said, I'm not too sure if I have a good answer to your question. I don't know what it says. It says he was obviously not involved and could not make a point. I'm not sure if it says so much about us in general. So he'll watch also, the tape. Yeah. yeah. Like just like again, I didn't notice watching the game the missed opportunities where he did do the right thing because it was g- completely covered by all the bad. But yeah. Those times he was missed were also very shocking. And, and Zach, you talked about it wasn't happening that bad with Murata. I'm sorry, but there was times where William, like multiple times, I'm didn't talking. Square I'm talking in. just this performance in isolation, by the way. Well, I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about being. I'm talking about like not being used when he should have been, where it could have led to goals because people didn't trust him. And Morata wasn't a hundred million signing, and we had a certain Eden Hazard, so we never just stared at Morata for ninety minutes. Yeah, and I it's, it's and way I worse being the apologist. I hate being the Lukaku apologist, but like I hate that you are being an apologist. Well, with Lukaku, it's way worse it's, right it's now. It's being a little bit like extreme. Like I agree, it's seventy thirty, but like that thirty percent where like it's not on Lukaku, where you're not taking it into account when you're getting comparing him to someone like Morata. Like no. I mean, right now, with the numbers he's putting up, that's who he should be compared to. And Andreas, what you said, Andreas, what you said should make it even worse. Because we have to rely on him, and he's not doing anything, it's even worse. We bought him to rely on him. We bought him because we didn't have a person that we could rely on to score goals. (laughs) Same thing with Morata. We bought him as a 10, and he's not scoring. Yeah, but we still had Eden Hazard. Like, we had a goal scorer, at least. Like, we're relying on him, and he's not doing anything. We had a guy that took risks. And, and, and also, also, how about this? This is a guy that's already figured out the Premier League as well. So what's changed this oh, time around? Zach, come on. You what? can't be telling that West he Brom, scored, which I'll be oh, you can't He has like over 100 Premier League goals. Man United, he was crap. His goal Goodness scoring gracious. record at Everton was impressive. Everton was on West Brom Everton, don't play good. against a parked bus every fucking week. But he has over 100 Premier League goals. Again, in a counter-attacking system. But he has over 100 Inter. Same shit he did at Inter. Okay, Nobody so. in Italy parks the bus. And then nobody in the Premier League is going to park the bus against fucking West Brom and Everton. Like, why was he shit at United? Because you have to possess and score. And, and it's like, again, you're not using it to his strength, maybe. Here, same shit. Like, I still don't think Lukaku was the right 
profile, but don't tell me, oh, he has the Premier League figured out. He was playing a different game. He has over it's 100 a, Premier League goals. <laughs> over 100. Yeah, ton, did I Arsenal say that game. yet? I'll, I just said he did the figure Arsenal. the Premier League out. I didn't say he didn't. No, no I know. He, he's he's oh, disagreeing no. with you. No, I'm disagreeing oh. because, again, he plays against a high line against Arsenal. Man of the match. We all agree that was his best Chelsea performance. High line against a team that's actually trying to play soccer. That's what he was used to when playing with Everton and West Brom, who were nowhere in the top four. Everton was maybe 10th at best when Lukaku was there. It's easier to play that way as a striker when there's so much fucking space given to you. So then we should have. So then we should just let teams come on to us then and hit them on the counter. Uh, that's how we won the Champions League. <laughs> So like, wait, what? I'm so, ang- I'm so angry at you right now, Because I'm wait, right. What? No, no, because because we didn't. You don't. You don't change a Champions League winning side to accommodate one guy. I'm not saying that. The guy comes in I'm... to uh, the guy comes in to add value to the team, not the other way around. You're right, and you asked me why isn't it? Why was Lukaku so good before in the Premier League? And I answered. He had sixty more yards okay. of space to work with. That's fair. No, that that, that is a that is a fair point. I'll give you that, Andreas. But he okay, also so, so, so then so then what do we need to do to make it work here then? <laughs> like, we have to turn to West Brom. I, I, I gave I gave the one option, and that's benching his ass because he's not gonna he, his attitude's not gonna change on his on, magically overnight. Oh, I agree, but I also think Tuchel needs to go into the the room and be like. All right, we missed him here. Why weren't we passing the ball? Like, why is this pass not happening? Because it doesn't happen when Havertz is at striker too. And and we can flash back to Lampard's time with the amount of times we never played Werner up the middle. Like, this isn't a new thing. It's just we love to hate on Lukaku right now. We do. It's easy to hate on Lukaku for all the bajillion reasons we've given. Seven but reasons. But we don't. There's only seven. <laughs> there was a hundred, and now there's only seven. We don't do those passes. We don't utilize our striker unless we're out of yards to move vertically. That's the truth. Hey, also, okay, so, in, then, in, so in, then again, in, what do we do? You get like you force like okay. Sorry, we hate it. Sorry for this, but like sometimes you need it. Patterns of play. Make it a point to where Lukaku has to be involved in the buildup, like you said, Zach. Checking in. Make it to where the defenders he actually have to He hasn't look done that once, though. Like, like, how are you gonna? How you're asking as if it, like you're talking as if we know exactly what the X's and O's are. Like, we know the X's and O's are is to build up through Jorginho. Not once have I seen it be like a systematic thing for the striker to receive the ball from a center back to his feet or from a fullback to his feet. That is something Chelsea doesn't do. I get that he hasn't done it on his own, but maybe it has to be to the point where Tuchel, who saw him quoted being a tactical genius, needs to be like, okay, you bozos who are all professionals don't want to do this. I'm going to force you to do it. Like, sometimes you have to have patterns of play. Like, Pep Guardiola makes players good because he has patterns of play and then allows them to have creativity in scenarios. We right now are defending and frustrating and keeping the ball. That is all we're doing. Ziyech being good and attacking right now is because Ziyech is that kind of guy. It's not a tactical thing. All right, let's uh, switch up tones a little bit. You brought up Ziyech. 
I think it's time that we talk about his brilliance, uh, cheer us up a little bit, and something that we can all agree on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once again, oh, the obvious... I mean, this is this is something we can all unanimously agree on. Once again, man in the match. Um, he had four dribbles completed, 82% pass accuracy, attempted seven, uh, sorry, nine crosses, and scored the match winner off of the Alonzo assist. Uh, scored two game winners, actually. The first one got taken away because Lukaku was offside. But um, earlier in the week, Tuchel said Ziyech was left out of the Club World Cup because um, he opted with a back three. Ziyech is the only attacker that we are getting a tune out of. So, uh, Zach, I'll start off with you. Should we stick with a back four if Ziyech is our only player right now who is contributing at all on, on the attacking end? Yeah, I think so. And like I said, I just find it really oddly, wildly confusing as to why Tuchel would accommodate Ziyech and not see the potential that other players could possibly bring into the squad if they're played properly. So, yeah, I mean, if it it comes down to this, I mean, the guy has, what, six goal contributions in his last six matches for us or something along those lines? I mean, the, the numbers are undeniable. He's the only one putting up numbers at the moment, and we do have to keep playing him. I mean, the thing with Ziyech is he's a killer. I mean, that, that's something we noticed really early on at Ajax, especially in the Champions League. He's a scorer of goals and big goals, and I don't think it's any different what he's done as of recent memory. The goal against Spurs and also the, now the goal against Crystal Palace, but it's more so the celebrations that kind of give you that confirmation of, like, he has that fuck you, I'm going to get mine mentality. He just ran over to the Chelsea fans after he scored and put his arms out like, I'm, I'm here, bitches, <laughs> you know? like, and, and it's good to see. I mean, there's somebody out there that's – I don't want to – he's not the only one that's trying, but it's just nice to have an attacker out there who's, you know, finding ways to get involved after, you know, previously being written off by a, a lot of us, myself included. I mean, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say we're better off without Ziyech in the team er, earlier this season. Look at me now. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to play a back four. And it's not just Ziyech. It's, it's just basic team building, right? Like, obviously, you do it because Ziyech has to play wide. But no Reese James and no Chilwell should mean no wingbacks. That's the only reason that system was so successful. And if one or honestly neither are healthy, you lean to what's available. And right now it's our attacking players. And what's struggling is the attacking side. So you want to put more attacking players onto the pitch. So, yeah, you have to feed Ziyech, who has been the player of, of the season this second half going into 2022, and, and let his ego continue to like take us to where we need to go. Man, I if only Lukaku there were more so egos much. we could rely on. I hate Lukaku so if much. Only. <laughs> What'd you say? I said I hate Lukaku so much. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> I never oh, thought, shit, I would, I thought, we were talking I never about thought I would utter the words, you know, uh, uh, I, I would have rather had Barata than Lukaku against Crystal Palace. But, I mean, I did. Crazy shit, crazier shit has happened, I guess. And it's it's hundred percent emotional, but yeah, also like ninety sure. percent kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, we were talking about Ziyech. All right, sorry, I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Shout out to Ziyech. I'm happy that he's uh, coming back into his own. He's uh, he's playing like the player we expected to to look like when we bought him. Unlike Lukaku. Oh shit! I sh- again, it, it it came up again. I couldn't. <laughs> you said I, it again. Shit! I, I can't talk about this team without shitting on Lukaku. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into some Twitter questions. Um. I have to clear my throat because we've got a Leonard Cohen question. And this one's a good one. Dear Pod, with Chelsea's academy now a virtuous circle, teams like Arsenal, with their interest in Armando Broja, Broja, are adopting the recruitment strategy of yo-yo teams like Crystal Palace and Southampton, ergo. Is Southampton a yo-yo team? Yes. Sure. Pop across the Thames and see what happens at Chelsea. What are the pod's thoughts on player loans and by extension academy players not extending their contracts as teams like Arsenal and Southampton talk up, talk up buying Broja and Palace fans dream about turning Gallagher's loan into a permanent deal. I remember Borussia Mönchengladbach wanted to turn Andreas Christensen's two-year loan into a permanent move. And I'm pretty sure at the time he was open to the idea. Uh, wait, what was the question in that again? <laughs> <laughs> I think he just wants our general thoughts. No, he's like, what are your thoughts about um, you know other clubs snapping up our guys that don't resign? Oh. I think, I think uh, there's a couple equations to this, Andres. Maybe you can like chime in on it a bit. But didn't the Premier League uh, or I don't know if it was a Premier League or just FIFA in general. Didn't they put a limit on the amount of players you can have on loan? Yeah, it's like a full UEFA thing. I think it's like went from unlimited to to some sort of capped number. Yeah. So they're already trying to limit the amount of young players who are just constantly on loan so they can develop their careers. I mean, I think this is something that's just going to wind up biting Chelsea in the ass anyways because we've been so good in terms of buying and selling players using the loan strategy. And I mean, we, we've yeah. been such a profitable club doing that. If you look at our net spend over the last X amount of years, I mean, our, our net spend is, is, is ridiculously low compared to the other big clubs that go out and buy yeah. big name players because we're able to have so many loanees come back and then sell them for, you know, two or three times the price that we bought them years down the line, whether or not we see them in a Chelsea jersey or not. So I think it's natural that we're going to lose guys. But look, when it comes down to... Connor Gallagher, I want to speak on that because he's not going anywhere. That's something Tuchel already mentioned. And Gallagher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said Gallagher, right? Like he yeah. also, I meant like he also oh, said he's not oh, going yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, you know, that one's not really. Um, I'm not really too worried about that. But the the Broja one is another one where we've heard that there's interest from Southampton, also Arsenal. Broja's camp has said that they do want to try and make it at Chelsea, but they're also, you know, like they're happy at Southampton. Why wouldn't he be? He's scoring goals. Right. He's playing well. He's starting every week. That's it. There's no need to look into it too much. I think from this point forward, if Chelsea are going to be letting players go, um, it's going to be players that just simply aren't good enough. And I think it's been clear that, you know, uh, the difference in low knees um, that go out on loan and come back ready and low knees that go out on loan and need more time. I think there's a, 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 a clear group ahead of you know, the group that's just not ready. So um, I don't see it being too much of a concern unless obviously there's like a controversial sale. Like we sell, you know, I don't know, like Harvey Vale or, um, you know, uh, 
who's the guy at Huddersfield? I'm blanking on his name right now, the center back. Colwell. Colwell, yeah. It's like if we, you know, Colwell had a great season and we somehow sell him over the summer without even taking a look at him. I think that's the only time we'll really have a an issue with, or I'll have an issue with Chelsea getting rid of a, you know, a youth player. Yeah, I, I think it's just, here's the thing. The academy has always shown its potential, and sometimes these players leave because they do go on three, four loan spells, and they finally are are tired of it. But I truly think that the Lampard era made the academy even jump to another level because Reese James, Mason Mount, Tammy, Tomori all came in and immediately made their stamp on the Premier League. Fast forward to a season or two later, Livramento didn't even wait for a loan. He said, I'm out. And he's now killing it at Southampton as a right back. Uh, Gallagher's first loan away, key component of Crystal Palace's team. Um, Gahey. So, what's that? Mark Gahey. He left too. He didn't even want to loan. Gahey went on loan to Swansea. Yeah. He didn't want to even come back to the team. He's like, I want to play. And he could and have played his way into the team easily. Had he stayed, he would have been Chalaba. Yeah, and and to to kind of give you like a, a a devil's advocate, Zach, you mentioned that the guys that go on loan and and keep getting loans are different than the guys that come back immediately ready. Chalaba was supposed to get loaned out again. Sometimes yeah. it's opportunity, but I think it is going to be a continuous trend, and I think that fans are need need to get used to it because only twenty two players stay on a roster, and it's unrealistic for a elite club like Chelsea to rely on a wild card 18 year old instead of marquee level 27 year olds, 26 year olds like that are established. Like I, you will never see a full bench of Academy players because yeah. they are prospects. So for example, Gallagher and Broja for sure coming back, you know who I'm very worried about now going into next season is is Billy Gilmore. I don't know what Billy Gilmore's future holds because I believe he only will have one year left in his deal potentially after next season or going into next season. And we're looking at buying another midfielder. We're looking at bringing in a Declan Rice or a Chiumeni. And you're also saying that for sure Gallagher is already coming back. So it's not just one signing. It's Gallagher plus one. And and but Gilmore would have to break his way back in unless unless we are really transitioning out of this boring possession, low risk thing. And somehow, somehow, for some reason, and to a certain level, unwarranted, we sell Jorginho. I think someone like Everton, again, the Frank Lampard connection could come in for a Billy Gilmore and we're going to have to deal with it. And that's going to happen time and time again as we progress. We won't see. Academy players jump straight into starting 11. That's not going to happen. Yeah, few and far in between now. Yeah, it's just not how it works. Right now we have Mount, Reese, and and Cho. And I think three to maybe five at best is probably as high of a number as you're going to get. Yeah. I I, I do think... um... It's interesting. I, I want to stick to the Gilmore point because I never really thought about that. I mean, I think the Conte Jorginho situation. Um, I think Chelsea has to make a decision on one of those two in the next 
maybe not next summer, but definitely the summer after. I mean, you're both on the wrong, going to be on the wrong side of 30, and you're going to need to clear out space into the squad to bring in the next gen. And let's also keep in mind that we're bringing in a DM, so that plus one you're talking about is most likely going to fill those shoes where Gilmore would maybe not necessarily fit in net like for like, but that's the space of the pitch that Gilmore likes to occupy. So I don't know, man. I thought it was interesting that we didn't bring him back after the uh, January transfer window because Tuchel did speak on it. He was asked about it once and he said, you know, it's an option that we're exploring, but, um, you know, we would prefer if he stayed there. You know, it wasn't really too clear whether that was Tuchel saying, uh, you know, he'll get more playing time there or if Tuchel's just saying, I don't really need him in the squad. I, I, I won't be able to use him in any sort of way that'll help the team. So, I would definitely keep my eye on that situation. I think that would be uh, that would be key. And then, you know, on, on the flip side, if Conte or Jorginho's name gets thrown around, um, that could be, you know, another potential uh, signal for Billy Gilmore's future. But, I mean, guys, we haven't talked about Loftus-Cheek. I have a note here for my game or from the game about Loftus-Cheek. I mean, he wasn't very good. Is that somebody we see staying after this year? I mean, he, no chance. We haven't, we haven't really seen him play well since Juve, dude. I don't think, yeah, I think at this point, obviously Saul's leaving and Barkley's leaving. You're, you have Conte, Kovacic, Jorginho, um, obviously as your main three, Gallagher, four, Declan, Rice, Chouameni, five. Like, that's it. Like, you know, that's it. All right. Let's uh, jump into our... Uh... Champions League preview um, at home against Lille. Right now, Lille sitting 11th in Ligue 1. Uh, Ligue 1. Um, Ligue 1. Uber Eats. U- yeah, cr- thank you Uber for Eats. correction. <laughs> Uber Eats. Ligue 1. <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct pronunciation. Um, I think it's Uber, actually. Um, so... Right now, uh, I think their most uh, dangerous threat is Jonathan David, um, which is so sad that even Lille has a striker and we and we don't. Um, Canadian striker, Pacey, a clever finisher. Um, team of the year, honorable mention on uh, FIFA Ultimate Team, so you know he's good. <laughs> <laughs> he has uh, 12 goals and 25 league uh, appearances. Three goals um, in six appearances in uh, Champions League. I'm guessing that that stat is. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. I know that we've we've looked really poor last couple of weeks, but as Andreas said, we seem to play a lot better in in these tournament type matches. We got the favorable draw. We def we got the the probably the best possible draw in all of Champions League, and I'm still not feeling that confident. But, Andreas, I'll start off with you. Any predictions? 2-0. I feel fine about this match. I'm doubling down. I'm going to go 2-0 also. Oh, I thought you were going to go 4-0. No, no, no. We can't score 4. Listen, the I hate the new Champions League rule, and honestly, I think... Lil's gonna park the bus because they are They're not. They're gonna play for nil, nil. Yeah, they they don't have to score an away goal, but at the same time, it's still a tournament. So like, they are gonna try to take more chances than just sit back because 
that's just asking to lose one nil. I think, yeah, I think we'll get two nil. I think it's also a Champions League night. Temperatures flare. Maybe we get a, a penalty, something along those lines. I see us scoring more than one. Two weeks ago, uh, they gave up five goals to PSG, who um, just yesterday Gons. lost 3-1 to Nantes. 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 <laughs> Nantes. Uh, Nantes Spain. Spanish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there is definitely a possibility for us to put up a couple goals, but um, I think we... I think we keep a clean sheet and we win 1-0. I think that's fair. Um, so we're all going for a clean sheet. That's good. Yeah. Um, Andres, I still love you. Even you uh, <laughs> of course, no love lost. Even though you're you're wearing a Lukaku jersey underneath that t-shirt. Um, <laughs> hey, up until a couple weeks ago, Zach, your background was Lukaku. So. I know, I know. <laughs> I, to be fair, this is true. This is true. But I forced you to change it. This is true. And look, for the record, I do hope he starts scoring. Of course. But I also Every time hope he that starts, he's it's like... If he it... plays, I hope he scores. But in general, I hope he's bench. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, there's uh, there's our opinion on this whole thing. Um, we're sorry if this podcast seemed like a shit show. I know we're a little bit over time. So if you're not following us on Twitter, at Romans Empire Pod... Uh, make sure you guys are looking out for our midweek pod as well. We are hey, going to also, a- also, we'll be on the Truth Social app starting tomorrow. Oh. We'll, we'll, we'll be signing up. You know what that is, right? I have no idea. That's that's Donald Trump's social media, Twitter, alternative. Oh, that's launching tomorrow. I didn't even tomorrow. know he was starting one. <laughs> yeah, look for keep an eye out for us on Truth, Truth Social, where we'll give yeah. you guys the truth without... Uh, yeah. being censored okay no more censorship yeah so um yeah anyways uh look out for our midweek pod we'll be doing a more condensed version like andres did a couple uh, weeks ago we also did one last week if you guys haven't heard it it's pretty good might want to check it out um so until next uh podcast let's keep the blue flag flying high